Well, good morning. Uh, if you're here, I'm so glad to see you here. If you're on the online campus, glad that you're able to uh, worship there and hope this is an encouragement to you. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Brian Robertson. I'm the lead pastor here uh, at the church. I'm certainly glad to, to see you. Uh, if you're a regular Crossroadian, uh, it's always good to worship with family and it's always good to see uh, each of us. Uh, if you are newer to our church, uh, hopefully you feel more like family when you leave than when you first came in. But I'll be up here in the front and I'd love to meet you. If you have a few moments right after service, I'd love to kind of connect with you. If this is one of your first Sundays, we do have a gift for you. It's out in the lobby. You can use your communication card that's on the worship folder. You can fill that out and let us know how we can pray for you, how we can help you connect here uh, in the family uh, here at Crossroads. So hopefully that you can take advantage of those things. Uh, but we are finishing our teaching series that we're called made. We're calling Made New. It's a series where we're working our way through the book of Ephesians. We've been in it for a number of weeks here, so we're going to end in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to flip over there. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start in verse 10 in a minute. Um, if you have an app or something on your phone, you can scroll there and you can get yourself there. Um, but we've been calling this thing Made New because we have a new identity uh, because of our faith in Jesus, he's given us a new identity, a new way of understanding who we are. And that new identity shapes how we respond. It shapes how we interact with other people. It shapes everything because of our new identity in Christ, that we are a new creation, that we are a new people. And that gives us a new understanding of not only our life, but our life together. You see, you and I are eternal beings. We are created to have an eternal kind of life that will last for all of eternity because we are created in the image of God. And that eternal kind of life is only found when we have union with God through faith in Christ. When we live our life apart from God, apart from that union with God, then we don't experience the eternal kind of life now and we won't experience it into the rest of eternity. Followers of Jesus are not perfect Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians that followers of Jesus are not perfect. We don't get on God's good list because of the various things that we have done or because we've checked the right boxes in our life or because we passed some theological test. No, we are not in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. We're not in union with God because of anything that we have done. For we will remember that in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace. By faith, through faith. This is not of ourselves, not that anyone, not of good works that anyone would boast. This is a gift from God, Paul says in Ephesians 2. So we're not in this union with God because we are perfect. We're not in this union with God because we've checked the right boxes. Not because we know all the right answers to a theological test. It's not because that we are simply in this union with God because of God's love for us and our response to his life and what he has done for us. And we're learning to live in those unforced rhythms of grace daily as we're learning to live our life the way Jesus would live it if he were us. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means that we are learning to live in the his way of living, not just understanding things about him, but learning to live in his way of life. Well, Paul's been saying this all the way through our book of Ephesians. And so if you've been studying with us, you'll know that. If you've got your journal, you've, you've been taking notes and you've been studying with us along those ways. But if this is one of your first Sundays with us in our book of Ephesians, that is the central message of the book of Ephesians. 
That we have this new life, not because of things that we have done, but because of what Christ has done and our response to him. And we can live that eternal quality of life right now and be well prepared for when we step into the other side of eternity. So we've come to the final chapter in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we are. And what we will find in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, is the sobering reality that you and I are immersed in a cosmic battle. That there's a battle that is happening behind the scenes in the heavenly realms that you and I aren't always aware of, but we come face to face with it. In Ephesians chapter 6, we are reminded of this sobering reality that there's a cosmic battle, a spiritual issue that's going on in the heavenly realms right now as we speak. And if we're going to see consistent growth or development in our own life with God, then we're going to have to become the people of God, both now and for the rest of eternity. We need to know how to engage in that spiritual battle. In the cosmic battle, in the spiritual heavenly realms, we ought to know how to battle, how to do work as we go here. We ought not be ignorant, in other words, of the issues that are before us. We ought not throw our heads in the sand and pretend that there's no cosmic issues, there's no spiritual issues going on around us, but we ought to be sober-minded, clear-headed, and see it so that we might be fully equipped to engage in that kind of a battle. So that's where we're going to see here this this morning. So in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. So again, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to follow along with me. Make some notes in your journal as we go. uh, Or you can follow along on the screens that are behind me and on the sides here. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We don't like to talk about spiritual battles and demons and devils all that often. We kind of get scared about those things. We kind of have nightmares about these kinds of things. And so we tend to ignore them and tend to gloss over them in passages like this in the Scripture that tell us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil forces and the demonic activity that is going on in the heavenly realms. Now, often we just kind of brush past it and we don't really want to talk about that because it frightens us a little bit. We have images of things going on in the spiritual realm that we don't really want to deal with and so we we kind of ignore it. We close our eyes and plug our ears and use our black highlighter marker and take care of that in the Bible. But the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant. 
He doesn't want us to shove our head in the sand about the demonic forces, about the forces of evil that are waging war in the heavenly realms, even right now as we speak. But he also doesn't want it to breed fear and anxiety in us. He wants us to be aware of it, but he doesn't want us to be fearful or anxiety-ridden because of the cosmic battle that we see ourselves in. One of my favorite authors and one of my absolute favorite books, I wish you would read it. I hope you do. It's a book called Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And in this fictional book about demonic activity to try and tempt a believer away, to pull, them, pull him away from following God, C.S. Lewis is talking about the de demons and the demonic forces and the evil things and the struggle in this cosmic battle. And right at the very beginning of his book, he's got a whole lot of disclaimers he's got to get out of the way. And this is what he writes in the beginning part of his book, Screwtape Letters. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, the human race, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And I think that's true. I think that there are people that fall on either side of that spectrum, either ones that just want to ignore it and not think anything about it, and others that seem to find a, a demon or devil under every rock and every illness and every bad thing is happening. Well, that must be that evil thing that's happening out there. People tend to exacerbate the issues and just kind of stand right on the sides. And, and Paul doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of it, but he also doesn't want us to give too much attention where we're fearful and anxiety ridden about it. He wants us to recognize the spiritual battle that we are facing, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil forces at work in this heavenly realms. But he also wants us to be fully equipped to engage in that battle in a way where we will see transformation and growth happen in the midst of it. Not ignoring it, but also not giving too much unhealthy, excessive attention to it. But to be fully equipped to engage in the midst of it. So that's what I hope to do with us this morning. I don't want to dismiss it, and I also don't want us to get hyper-focused on it where we're fearful and anxiety. I want to hope to help us to understand how we can be engaged in that kind of a battle. The Apostle Paul lays out four things for us in this short passage. Four things for us to engage in this spiritual battle that we find ourselves engaged in. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going to look at that. We're going to look at each one of these, and then we're going to have a time of response at the end. How we might we take steps to be engaged in this battle here. Take a look at the four and then have an aspect of response. So the first one that he says, be strong in the Lord. In verse 10, right at the very beginning, the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Notice, Paul's not saying, buckle up, buttercup. We're in this battle. You gotta be strong on your own deal. You gotta do it on your own. Be strong on your own abilities. He doesn't say that at all. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. If you've been following along in our study here, you'll remember in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that his mighty power, the incomparability of God's power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand of God, and is high above every ruler and authority and dominion of this world and of the world to come. It is that 
incomparable power, great power of God that we trust in his ability. We don't trust in our ability. We don't trust in our strength to make it through this battle for we settle into the Lord's power, into his mighty strength. And God is not powerless against the schemes of the evil one or against the, the powers that be at work at going on right now. He is mighty in strength. And he is moving around and he is victorious against the evil and against the powers of darkness. And so Paul says right at the very beginning, if you're going to engage and not throw your head in the sand and not be overcome by anxiety and fear, but if you're going to engage in this kind of spiritual battle, don't be strong in your strength. Be strong in the Lord's strength. Be strong in His mighty power, not in your mighty power. But we often try to do things on our own, don't we? We try to change our own life on our own. We try to pick up new habits on our own. We try to change our own circumstances on our own. We try to pull ourselves up and do everything in our own strength. And when we do that, we circle back to the same old temptations that so easily entangle us time and time again. Why? Because we're trying to do it all in our strength. We're trying to new, get new habits and to learn to grow spiritually in our own strength. We're trying to have transformation of our character and our heart in our own strength. But Paul says, if you want to engage in this kind of battle, trust in his mighty strength, not in your strength. Trust in the Lord and in his mighty strength. Perhaps part of the reason that we are frustrated in our growth, of, in, our growth in Christ, or maybe lack thereof, Perhaps one of the reasons is that we've been seeing our life and our circumstances and the situations that we face and we're trying to do everything on our own power. We're trying to make every decision on our own. We're trying to make every change on our own. We're doing everything on our strength. And yet we're called to engage in this battle to trust in the Lord and His mighty strength. To learn to trust Him. That he has incomparably great power, high above every authority, ruler, dominion of this world and the world to come. It reminds me of Jesus' words. He's talking to his disciples at one point, and they look around Jesus, and they go, Jesus, how could we do this? This is impossible. And he says, yeah, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the power that we are invited by faith to have a work in our life. When we engage in the spiritual life on our own, that would be disastrous. It would lead us down a road of just one temptation after another, after another, and we would be frustrated along the way. But Paul's telling us to trust not in your strength, but in the mighty strength of God. So the first thing to engage in this deal is to learn that you can trust in his power and not in your own. But then Paul says another thing, second thing. He says, put on the full armor of God. And then he uses the six main parts of a soldier's equipment. He talks about the belt and the breastplate and the boots and the helmet and the shield and the sword. And he uses these elements of, of, of armor as a metaphor to represent the truth and righteousness and peace and a life of faith and a life of goodness. One of the ways that you stand equipped for the spiritual struggle is a determination to put on the, uh, the new self of truthfulness, of holiness, of righteousness, of faithfulness, 
of peace, to learn new habits, to put those clothes on, that kind of armor on. And when you intentionally put the truth on or put righteousness on or learn to live in peace and love and mercy, when you intentionally put that kind of on, it sets as a bit of a guard against any kind of destructive, malicious behavior. It reminds us of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. Where he says, you were taught with regard to your old way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self, which created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, again, you see the effort that's required for the Christian life. It's more than just acknowledging some facts about Christ, but it's a learning a way of living to put on truthfulness, to put on righteousness, to put on peace, to put on faith. There's effort that is needed here as we're learning to grow in the way of Jesus. It's in that kind of life, the kind of life of truthful and righteous and, and peace and, and forgiving kind of life that acts as, a, as an armor, as a way of guarding our hearts away from malicious behavior or anger or deceit or lies, any kind of bad, broken kind of living. And in this struggle that we find ourselves in, this cosmic struggle we find ourselves in, we need to be diligent to learn to put on the ways of Christ. To put off all falsehood, Paul would say, all rage and anger, all sexual immorality, all obscenity, which he describes in earlier parts of Ephesians, and to put on truth and righteousness and holiness and peace. To put those things on, to be diligent, Recognizing it's not my effort, it's not me that earns it, but it's my cooperation with the power of God to see that kind of life in growing in my life to be a guard, an armor of sorts, to stop me from being susceptible to the various temptations in my life. So Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord in His mighty strength. Put on the armor, which is righteousness and truthfulness, faithfulness, peace. Put on that kind of armor that would guard against. But then he tells us a third thing. He tells us to stand firm. In these eight verses, Paul says at least four times for us to stand firm. Four times in just short, eight short verses, Paul tells us to stand. He tells us to stand against the, de the devil's schemes. He tells us to stand your ground. Stand firm in the full armor of God. And when all else is done, finally to stand. Right? Standing carries with this the connotation of readiness. That you're not laying down and you're not sleeping on the job, but you have a resolute decision to persevere, to be ready, to be active, to be ready to go. There comes a time in every believer's life, whether you've hit this time now or it will come, there will come a time in every believer's life where you will be tired from doing the right thing. And it will be tempting to you to just go the easy road of just kind of go and follow the path of least resistance and follow along with your old nature and your old sinful desires, to go along with the culture around us. There will come a time when you and I will get tired from doing the right stuff and we'll just want to lay down and just relax a little bit, hit cruise control, and just go off into the end of the night. But Paul Paul is saying, stand firm, be ready, persevere, 
And we need that in our life. We need the encouragement to not lay down on the job, but to stand up and to be ready and to have the ability to continue to persevere even when we get tired, even when we'd rather compromise, even when we'd rather do something else. We need the encouragement of someone else to say, you can stand firm. Paul says four times in eight short verses to stand firm. He's encouraging both the Ephesians and us as a a result to stand your ground, stand against the devil's schemes. You can stand There will be a time in your life, I guarantee it, that you will be tired and exhausted and you need a brother or a sister to come along and say, you can do this. Stand up. You can take one more step of faith. You can trust in God's goodness. You can continue to live a life of righteousness and peace and holiness. Even when you want to hit the cruise button and go on cruise control, you can stand up and persevere. Every one of us needs somebody in our life. Paul was this for the Ephesians, and he's this for us and as a result, as by extension. Four times in eight short verses. How do you guard against the spiritual issue in our life and the war that's waging in our life? Stand up. Persevere. Push through. Gina and I are, my wife, Gina and I are in a life group. We meet every other week. And part of the reason that I love being in our life group is because I'm encouraged by them. Because there are times when in our life, Gina and I are just like you. There are times in our life that we get tired. We get tired of doing these things over and over again. And we need brothers and sisters to be with us. I love my life group, not only because of the study that we're going through and the stuff that we're learning together, but because of the encouragement I receive from them. Because they speak life into me. They remind me that I can persevere, that I'm in the midst of this cosmic battle, but I can continue to go. Part of the reason that we gather here in this space on a regular basis, yeah, the the music is great, And yeah, the the fellowship is good. And hopefully the sermons are insightful. But more than that, we need each other. We need the encouragement of seeing your face to know that I can stand and persevere. Don't ever think that your presence here is insignificant. It matters. It matters. Because I guarantee you there's somebody here every Sunday morning who's on the verge of just going the easy road. I guarantee you that there's somebody here every Sunday who just wants to just say, you know what, let's just kind of hit cruise and just go on. And your presence and your encouragement and your hug and your handshake and your singing and your prayers matter because we need people We're engaged in this cosmic battle and we need one another to say, stand up, be ready, persevere. You can do one more step. You can go one more step. There's a fourth thing that Paul tells us to do as he's closing this letter out and he kind of comes to an end. He tells us to pray on all occasions. If we're going to engage in this cosmic battle, we need to learn to be a praying people. Pray on all occasions for all of God's people, he says. Verse 18 says this, 
Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is a way that we lean not on our own strength, but we recognize that it's the strength of God that we need. So we invite the power of God into our life and into our situation to submit ourselves to Him and to His ways, to His power in His life. It's a, prayer is a way for us to encourage our believers, our brothers and our sisters, to pray for them on their behalf that the immeasurably incomparable power of God would be at work in their life to encourage and equip them to stand on the road when they're needing to stand. Paul says, with all of this in mind, with this cosmic battle happening in mind, commit yourselves to praying for all of God's people to invite the power of God to trust in His power into your situation and the situations around, but also to encourage, to strengthen, and to embolden your brothers and sisters. Pray for all of the Lord's people with all the fact that's going on. Recognize that there's a battle happening, stirring in the heavenly realms, and we ought to be a people who are calling on the power of God to be at work in people's lives, to submit ourselves to His will, to His way, and to see transformation happen in our day. And in our lives. And so Paul ends his prayer that way. Or ends the, the whole book that way. Pray on all occasions for people. It's intercessory prayer is what that's called. Praying on behalf of somebody else. For someone else. Paul ends the whole message that way. So I just think we should do that. I think we should pray for one another. To be an encouragement to invite the power of the Almighty God to be at work in your life to see transformation in an area or a situation that you need God to show up. With all of this going on, recognize our, our battle and our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world. So we don't trust in our strength. We're learning to trust in the strength of the Lord and His mighty strength that we are encouraging one another to stand firm, to put on the ways of truthfulness, of righteousness, of peace, of faith, and to persevere, take one more step of faith, take one more step of obedience, take one more step of growth. So here's what we're going to do today. And I'm just going to ask for your grace this morning. I was talking to Gina yesterday or the day before or something, and I don't think I've ever done this here. And so, granted, right, give me a little bit of grace. Um, we're going to spend a time of prayer, and I just want to pray specifically for you. And I'm going to have some categories of some things that you might be struggling with. And I want to pray boldly and specifically for you in each one of these categories. And I'm suspecting that there's some of us here this morning that have a desire to grow in our life with Christ, but we find ourselves stuck. We have a desire to grow in our relationships with other people, in our family, or in our work environment, but we feel stuck. We have a desire to, to share the love of Jesus with people that don't know Him yet, but we find ourselves stuck. 
We have doubts of our own mind, realizing, does, does God actually love me? Does God actually want to accept me? Does God ever actually want to have a relationship with me? And, I, well, I want that. I find myself stuck. I'm not sure what to do with that. And I think that there's some people that need God's power at work in their life this morning. So I want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray boldly for you. And I want to pray personally for you. So again, I, I don't think I've ever done this here. But I'm asking for grace. I'm asking each one of us. I'm not going to have you stand up in front of people. I'm not going to have you. We're not going to play just as I am as you raise your hand a few more times and all that stuff. We're not doing that. But I am going to ask every one of us to just honor this space where we recognize the, the work of God in our midst. And we just bow our heads and close our eyes and don't look at anybody around. And as I say a category, as I say one of these things, I'm just going to ask you if that's you, I'm going to pray for it, but if that's you, I'm going to pray personally for you. And I'm just going to ask you to just look at me. Just raise your head up and look at me. And then I will know who to pray specifically for. Again, I'm not going to make you parade in front of people. I'm not going to tell everybody. This is just between you and God. But I want to know who to pray for. And I want to know how to pray. Because I want to see the power of God unleashed in your life to see transformation happen in real ways in your life. So could we do that? Bow your heads, close your eyes, if you would. First category. You have doubts in your mind about God. You're unsure if God loves you. You doubt if God would accept you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for your grace. Lord, I pray that your love would come through in tangible ways, that we would know it not intellectually, but Lord, I pray for these, my friends, that they would know you in a heart, soul level, that you love them, that your heart yearns for them, that you have formed them and breathed life into them for a union with you, that they would know that. Next category, if you're struggling in a relationship of some kind and you have bitterness, unforgiveness, God, I pray for grace. I pray for a transformation of our hearts to be able to forgive. I pray for conflict resolution. I pray for relationships to be healed. I pray for marriages 
to be healed. Lord, I pray now for these, my friends, who are needing you to show up in a relationship. We yield to you, submit to you, that you would be powerfully at work. Maybe you have a temptation here to compromise your integrity whether it's in a relationship or it's a financial integrity or some, you're tempted to lie or to stretch the truth, to compromise in some way. Father, I pray for truth, that we would be people of truth who stand for truth who learn to do the right things, that you would encourage us and strengthen us to do the right things, to speak truthfully, not with deceit or with manipulation, but honesty. Maybe you're somebody here who doesn't know if you have a real relationship with Jesus. And you want it. You want that. Father, I pray for those that desperately want you that we confess that we are nothing without you, that we need your grace in our life. And I pray, Lord, I pray for these friends that need you, that want a growing, deepening life with you, that you would meet them where they are, give them the courage to show up again, submit themselves to you, that you will be faithful and forgive us and lead us to an eternal kind of life. Father, for all of us now, whether we've been following you for decades or maybe just today we're starting, to awaken our souls to know you, to trust you, to share your love and mercy and kindness with the world around us. We ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.